All right, thank you so much for tuning in to Forward Thinking Founders. This is the podcast where we highlight undiscovered talent. We're scanning Y Combinator, Pioneer, Product Hunt, Twitter, Indie Hackers, all these different networks to find really interesting founders and interesting projects and startups, and we feature them on the podcast before you've probably heard of any of them. And what's great about this is you get to follow along on their journey as they become more and more successful and say, I knew them when. So thank you so much for tuning in to Forward Thinking Founders, and let's get into our next founder you haven't heard of, but you will. All right, how's it going, everyone? Welcome to another episode of the Forward Thinking Founders, where we talk to founders about their companies, their visions for the future, and how the two collide. Today, I'm very excited to be talking to Robbie Ferguson, who is a co-founder of Immutable. Welcome to the show. How's it going? Thanks, Matt. It's going really well. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, excited to have you on. I remember when I found you on the internet, I'm like, this is probably the coolest thing I've ever seen in my life. And now I get to talk to you about it. So so people, for people that don't know what you what you do or what Immutable is, can you give us an idea of what you're working on? Absolutely. And, and thanks for the compliment. I, it's always funny that the reactions I get when I tell people what we do is either like, I have no idea what you're talking about or, huh, that actually makes sense, but is, is kind of crazy. Um, so it's nice doing something novel, I think. Uh, what we do is Immutable is a technology company that basically allows you to trade your items in video games and esports for real money. And we support this natively, which means that we work with the games themselves or make them ourselves in the case of our flagship title uh, built on our platform because there's, there's no real kind of secure way to build this without the, the compliance of, of the developers themselves. Okay, so let's, let's walk through this. So um, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think your feature title or like your primary game, at least at the moment, is, is Gods Unchained. And, and that's right. I see that it says a, a free-to-play competitive guard game where players actually own their cards. Can you describe what is Gods Unchained? And can you like explain what you mean by like, how, how do players, what does it mean to actually own your cards? <laughs> Absolutely. It's a good question. And often internally will come up with phrases and realize that they have a meaning to us, but they don't have meanings to people outside of the organization. And so a big part of our mission is to explain what does ownership actually mean? And I think it's quite simple. If you own something, you can freely trade that thing for anything you want and no one can take it away from you without your permission. So, so two simple axioms and almost every single video game item ever built doesn't follow one, let alone both of those axioms. Uh, and so by real ownership, we mean that when you buy a card in God's Unchained, when you earn a card in God's Unchained, you can sell that card for real money. You can trade that card for whatever you like with whomever you want. And you have guarantees that we can never take that card away from you. And importantly, not taking a card away from you is much more than just saying we can never take that asset out of your inventory. It's also, you have guarantees over the long-term scarcity of identical digital assets. Because even if I can't take it away from you, if I print a trillion identical assets and give them to every person in the world, I've effectively diluted the value of your asset equivalent to it as if I had just stolen it from you. So explain to me 
so let's say I, I buy a, a, a card in, in God's Unchained and I, and I own a card and I can sell it for, for, for any, anything. Um, can you kind of give me like a basic idea of like what determines a card's value? Is it a marketplace like on God's Unchained where they say, I think it's worth this or it's this or like how, does, how is value determined? Exactly. There is absolutely a marketplace. Uh, we run one and also there are many third party websites which run their own marketplaces for God's Unchained. The really cool thing is the amount of development that has gone into those websites is insane. I think partially due to the fact that we basically revenue share with, with anyone who adds value to our ecosystem. So we, we have ecosystem websites which have deck building functionality, which have marketplaces uh, that have earned more than six figures just by basically building this website and then linking people to our game. And what something that I've been thinking a lot about, like what we kind of were talking about before we started recording is like, uh, I think that trading cards, um, they've always been kind of popular with a certain amount of people, but I, what, what you kind of enabled is, is a new type of game to, to exist a new almost type of like, I don't even know if you would call it an asset class, but can you kind of talk about how do you like what it with got with the technology you've built, uh, and, and with God's Unchained, what are some things that can be built on top of this? Like, it's almost hard to imagine what can be done. So can you give me some ideas on like what you'd like to be built on top of this technology and what you think could be possible? Yeah, it's a great question. There's a lot of talk about what does an open item registry and real world tradable economy enable for video games that wasn't possible before. I think there are a lot of cool ideas. Uh, one of them is interoperability, but I actually think that interoperability is, is probably a, a couple of years off uh, really coming to fruition, which is simply like interoperability, which basically means I could take this, this card, which is openly viewable as on the item registry for God's Unchained, and then I could use that card in, in some other video game. But I, I don't think that there's currently an economic imperative for video games to, to collaborate in this way. It's, it's difficult to see. The probably the closest analogy in, in you know, the, the real centralized gaming world is when Fortnite does a massive partnership with Nike and suddenly you can purchase you know, Nike skins uh, for, for your character. And also some kind of items in Fortnite might give you real world discounts. So you could do that, but in a much more effective way with this system, for instance, where if you owned the digital copy of say a Nike shoe in Fortnite on our platform, you could provably use that to get into exclusive concepts, to get a discount on, on real world shoes, to uh, mint yourself a, a, a custom pair of shoes, which match your online avatar. There are a bunch of things that are, are provably doable only with this technology, I suppose. Uh, the other cool things that I'd, I'd love to see, I think for God's Unchained in particular, is the economy really maturing into to something which uh, is akin to, to a kind of an ordinary economy. Um, and basically what you see is that for any traded assets above a certain liquidity, you get things like derivatives, uh, you get things like uh, people creating products which are trying to increase the utility uh, and availability of, of various asset classes. And one of the awesome things is 
you know, a big inspiration for us is, is the real paper magic the gathering, right? Like you can trade those cards. Uh, you do have guarantees around, well, no one can take this physical ownership away from me. I think we create a superset of that ownership where you have guarantees around long-term scarcity and, and will they ever mint this card again? But one of the really cool things is the secondary market cap on Magic the Gathering cards dwarfs uh, any primary sales. So, you know, I, I, I'm not sure how much they're selling a year, but the estimated secondary market cap of all Magic the Gathering cards in existence is somewhere between 10 to 20 billion US dollars. And so if you can create an economy like that, we don't even have to have primary sales which generate us revenue. All we have to do is foster that economy, take a small clip on facilitating trades, and we have a business model that is way more aligned with consumers' interests than anything else. Yeah, this is, it's fascinating. I, I have a couple more questions, then we'll go into big vision and, and an ask. So you were, you were talking about some other players in this space, like Fortnite and whatnot. I'm, I'm wondering, if, are you, would you say your role with, with Immutable and Gods Unchained, are you, is your like part of the stack to make any game applicable to things in the real world? Or are you like a game creator that only games like this? Or like, how would you say you fit in to the overall gaming and esports environment? Like what, 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 what specific, where specifically do you want to fit in? Or is that to, to be determined? Yeah, it's a great question. I think that there's a couple of stages for how we want to fit in. At the moment, it's really not in the interests of the biggest gaming publishers in the world to use an economy or software similar to this. And that's because they're the beneficiaries of a very captive and very profitable uh, ecosystem. You know, the, the Fortnites of the world are making multiple billions a year. So is League of Legends. Uh, mobile gaming is, is some of the highest margin industries and, and rapidly consolidating because of the power that the top companies have. So I think that the growth market for us in, in the medium term are medium-sized publishers for whom our technology represents strong advantages in terms of the ability to acquire and retain users because users will play uh, and, and users will stick around on games which do more for them. And by do more for them, I mean they offer them real economic value when they buy an item rather than that being simply a rental model, which the current model is and also offer them some form of real meaningful economic value for playing the game. So you could effectively earn money by, by playing the game. And so I think we, we you know, and we have the, these studios reaching out to us and saying, well, hey, you know, we, we aren't the biggest, but we're not the smallest, but we think that if we used your technology, we could reach a much, much wider audience. And, and therefore it kind of makes sense for us to do an experiment here. That said, it's early days and that's why we built our own game to prove that this thing works in the first place. And I have to ask, you know, what would you say is the, the 10 year, 20 year giant, giant vision that, that you have for this company? Like how big could it get and what will, what will life look like if it gets that big? That's a great question. I guess people often tend to give quite, quite lofty responses to, to the long-term vision. I think I have quite a specific vision, which is, I think that the majority of, of our waking hours as humans is going to slip more and more into entertainment space as uh, civilization grows older. And I think that we'll see in, in two decades, particularly as video games approach 
near real life levels of fidelity, people will start to spend all their life in, in virtual reality. Uh, I'm not making a value judgment on that, but I think it's inevitable. In that world, it is very, very important to me that consumers have rights around digital assets that are akin to physical assets. Because at that point, the bridge between physical and digital is no more than an arbitrary distinction. Uh, and, and so we essentially have the owners of that infrastructure, whether it be you know, Facebook or whether it be Epic, uh, whomever looks like that they're currently the, the incumbents looking to own that space, would have complete control over people's lives and meanings within that time. They would be the central bank making digital assets that impact these people's identities, their avatars, their, their items, their social relationships, uh, and their data. And so I think that unless you can have governance and restraints on these digital central banks uh, and say, well, actually, we need to make real economies. We need to create real scarcity around digital items so that consumers can be protected and have guarantees in the same way as in the physical world. Uh, it, it's looking like it's just going to be a you know, an extension of the very captive relationship that currently exists in video gaming. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. And it's, it's fascinating to hear. For, for, for my last question, what's an ask that you have for the community listening? Is there anything that, that we can do to help you make your vision happen, your, your fascinating vision kind of come to life a little sooner? Yeah, great question. Uh, if you know of any games, with an economy or, or who you, you think would benefit from, from this particular technology platform, the number one criterion we always consider is, is the game multiplayer? Uh, and, and basically from there, we, we can work with most games. Um, so, you know, just send me a message and, and get in touch or try out our game and, and let me know what you think. We're always trying to iterate and, and uh, make it better. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming on to the podcast and pretty much blowing my mind. I like have many ideas that I'll probably work on. In, like, like when I'm like when I have more of a bandwidth, like career-wise, I'm probably gonna want to circle back and be like, I have this idea. I have this idea. Like, how do I make it yeah. happen? So, so thanks for um, so thanks for coming on and introducing me and the whole audience to this world. I think it's fascinating. So, thanks for coming on and best of luck. Um, can I no spread, spreading the word and making your vision happen? Thanks so much for your time, Matt. Okay. Thank you, everyone, for tuning into that episode. I hope you really enjoyed it. And luckily, there's another one coming up real soon. But before then, I have a couple things to tell you. First, if you're listening to this and you think you're working on something cool or you think you're smart, hit me up on Twitter. I am at Matt underscore Sherman, and that is Matt with one T. So hit me up. Shoot me a DM. And I'm happy to check out what you're working on and maybe we can get you on the pod. But at the very least, I'm happy to give you feedback on your product or project or startup. Lastly, if you can please rate this podcast in the iTunes store, that would be awesome. I'm trying to get up in the rankings so more people can discover these awesome founders. And the only way to do that or one of the ways to do that is growing with rankings. So if you like what you're listening to, please just go onto the iTunes store, give it five stars or four, you know, or three. I'm not going to tell you what to give, but just tell whatever I deserve, you should rate that. With that, I'm signing off. See you next time. Bye.